0: my mother would, she knew that I, I liked music and that, you know, that I liked old music in particular, we'd be in a restaurant and the sound system would be playing some song, you know, from her youth. And she would always turn to me and say, do you know what this one is? Do you know the words to this one? Do you know who wrote it? And, you know, so that was always sort of a, a continuing theme, you know, that music was, was pretty big in my house.
1: And welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. And joining me tonight is uh, one of my new Bruce Buds. We met via social media. Uh, Macrina Doyle is joining me. Macrina, how are you doing tonight?
0: I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be talking with you.
1: I am so thrilled that you said yes, you were willing to visit with me. Um, This is always a lot of fun. Uh, Welcome to the show, and let's start out. Tell us a little about yourself.
0: Okay. Uh, I live in the town I grew up in, Ogdensburg, New York. It's a tiny little town at the very tippy top of New York State, It's on the St. Lawrence River, which is our border with Canada. So it's very rural area. Um, I retired a few years ago from a 33 year career at St. Lawrence University, a small liberal arts uh, institution. I worked there for 28 years in the communications office. So public relations, Um, I was the media person but I also wrote for the alumni magazine and wrote for the web, et cetera. And I spent the last five years in human resources where I developed and administered programs to help us increase our diversity. Um, Prior to that, I was a newspaper reporter for four years. Uh, here in my hometown, at uh, my hometown daily. Um, and when I was at St. Lawrence, um, the internet came along and uh, that was of interest to those of us in communications. So um, I wanted to run a website for the university when it, when the internet was new. And I took a very brief class and one of the things that they recommended was pick something that you like, or maybe an organization that you belong to and develop a website for that. And you can, you know, experiment with that and learn techniques and just try things out because it, there's not, it's not so high stakes. Yes. And then you can uh, apply what you've learned to your real job you know, doing the website for the university. So (laughs) um, I didn't feel like I was enough of an expert on Bruce Springsteen to start a Bruce Springsteen website. But I did start websites for three of my favorite country singers. And I wound up, actually running the official websites for those three country singers for a number of years.
1: Who, who were
0: they? Um, you would know them probably as you're a Texan. They're all Texans. Clint Black, Rodney Crowell, and Radney Foster.
1: Yes, absolutely. And,
0: yeah, and I also uh, ran Clint's, uh, Clint Black's official fan club for about a dozen years.
1: How very cool is that?
0: It was super cool and a lot of fun. I really, really enjoyed it.
1: That that's kind of neat. Uh, I am. I don't know if you your background is very similar to um, uh, Peachyanka, who does Blogness on the Edge of Town. Mm-hmm. Um, so if. If you've ever, he's been on the show and he told the story that, you know, years ago when he he, he was working for a different newspaper than he is now, and they said, um, they've reached out to him and said, hey, we want you, we want to get on an online presence, so pick a subject you love, something you're passionate about, and let's mm-hmm. start a blog about it. And he loves Springsteen, so he started blogging us on the Edge of Town and several other people started blogs and he's like his is the only one that lasted <laughs> and now that yeah. he's he's changed papers and you know he's kept blogness going uh so that's mm-hmm. kind of cool um i you just didn't you just were intimidated you weren't sure that if you could do enough with bruce or
0: i was intimidated yeah i didn't feel like i had the expertise um to really do a thorough, thorough job on a Bruce website. Um, it, it, you know, but I, I had been a huge fan of Clint Black's since the very beginning of his career. Uh, I didn't really know that much about Rodney Crowell's career until, until he was like super, super popular in the late 80s. Um And I, I, I was a huge fan of Radney Foster's um, from the time that he was in the duo Foster and Lloyd. So I felt like I had, you know, more expertise kind of on those fellows. And I, I must have because like I said, for in each case, uh representatives of theirs contacted me and said, you know, you seem to be doing a great job. What I what I heard from Clint was uh, what I didn't know about him is that he was an early computer user. Uh-huh, okay. He was living at, he, at the time he was living, I think he, he was living in California. A lot of his band was in Texas. His management was in Nashville. Uh, he had other, uh, he had marketing people in Arizona. So to save his voice, and having to talk to people on the phone constantly, he was an early adopter of email. So he was on the web very early, and he talked to his label about, you know, a lot of people seem to be having websites now, official websites. And they said, is that something you're interested in? And he said, well, I am, but there's one out there that, you know, I don't know who this person is, but... It's very thorough and it seems to be updated all the time and I kind of like it and there's really no reason to start from scratch. Why don't we just see if we can work with this person? So they contacted me um, and I said, why, sure. I'd like to do that.
1: Sure. I'm like, I'm like oh, I don't know. You know, right. That's exactly. It. Yeah. How very fun. Yeah.
0: yeah. And then after I was working with him for a while, um, and was working with his management and they found out that I had other professional skills like publishing and uh, event coordination and that sort of thing. They asked me to take over his official fan club as well. Um, So I did. Uh, And, and with Rodney and Radney, it was really very similar. I just was running these websites and their management contacted me and said, hey, would you like to just continue as the official um, webmaster? And in all three cases, I was very, very happy to do that.
1: Well, that is very cool.
0: Yeah, it. it it was really a lot of fun. And, you know, in each case, it was the sort of thing where you just, you know, you're a fan of somebody and then you get to know them and they turn out to be just as great as you hope that they are. <laughs> it, it's It really is, for a fan, just fa- fantastic. And I, I got to do a lot of really great things. I mean, I've been backstage at some wonderful venues, and, you know, I've been on tour buses, and I've, you know... It, it, I, it, it was just great as a music fan to do all of those things. Now, you know, there's a lot of not so nice things about the music business too. I don't know if you know that, (laughs) but the fact is, yeah, it's not always so nice. And it, but it was always interesting for a fan to, you know, to see how the music gets made and, to find out about, well, what really does management do and how do these things sort of happen and how does booking happen and what happens when you get to the venue and all of those kinds of things. It was really interesting, and I learned a ton.
1: Yeah, I have a friend um, who's now retired, but um, she is a musician, Um, grew up in Houston, went to school in Denton, uh, lived in Dallas, and then several several years ago moved down to Austin and was based out of there. Her name's Sarah Hickman, and um, had a very good career. Uh, you know, she supported her family, never became a household name, but you know had multiple mm-hmm. albums and just really good. And and we we had gotten to be friends early in her career. My wife and I would go see her perform every um, every Monday night. Like um, and. You know, we got to be friends, and so yes, a little bit of that. You know, where um, as much fun as it is to play a band, you know, it's actually she makes more money if she just just brings her guitar and sets up yeah. in a club and plays. And even though it may not be as a yeah. big crowd, it actually economically is better for her because you don't right. have to pay anyone.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, you know, and yeah. and all the different, um, you know, like trying to figure out, you know the. Working with record companies and all this other stuff. So yeah, I can imagine. Um, I had uh, early, early in the show. Gosh, probably my first six months on the podcast. I had a my actual nephew um, who does a band out of Austin, The Night Isles. Mm. They are kind of a mm. retro um, '60s dance band with horns, and mm. but they do mm. all modern music. He they write he writes new music in that style and they were really successful and ryan told the story that you know as the manager you know who writes all the music he's the one who organizes all the tours he's the one that you Mm -hmm. know figures out the driving schedule and you know how often are they going to stop for um you know potty breaks and who Mm -hmm. gets who sleeps in the van and who sleeps in the hotel room and you know and and i asked them i said is is getting on stage the easiest part of the job and he says by far jesse he said the the three hours on stage is the easiest part that most people would be petrified he says it is just the it is the fun part of the job and the other you know (laughs) 21 hours a day Mm -hmm. is just all work so yeah i can Mm -hmm. imagine that and it's i'm sure that was enjoyable um to peek behind the curtain and see that
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Like I said, as a fan, you know, you wonder about those things and how does this happen? And, you know, to not only see it, to be involved in it uh, was really just a wonderful, wonderful experience for me. And, you know, I'm very proud to say that I'm still in touch, uh, although I don't work for any of those fellows anymore I'm still in touch with them all I go and see them whenever I can which is not very often especially lately Um, but uh, you know they're all uh, wonderful gracious fellows and uh, it's been one of the great joys of my life to have had those experiences.
1: Yeah and then then we'll move on but it's also got to be rewarding that someone of especially Clint Black's stature that um, mm-hmm. he he is that good of a guy. I mean, everyone's human. I'm sure there were times when it was uncomfortable, uh, you know, <laughs> but, you know, especially in a business arrangement, right, that there could be times, but it sounds like overall just a good dude.
0: Oh, he's a fantastic fellow. I was in touch with him just recently, actually, uh, because he was supposed to – be playing uh, the Ryman in Nashville uh, this month, and um, yeah, uh, and I was going to go, and uh, when it was getting, it had already been uh, postponed, Uh, it it was supposed to be in May, and then it got rescheduled for September, and as the time was ticking on, and there hadn't been an announcement, and I was thinking, there's no way there's going to be a concert, a sold-out concert at the Ryman. In September. So I, you know, I have plane reservations and hotel reservations and I was starting to get nervous about it. So I finally just asked him and I said, is this concert going to happen? And he got back to me right away and said, no, you can go ahead and and cancel all your plans. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I know it's not going to happen in September of 2020. So as it happens it's been scheduled for September of 2021. <laughs> so yeah.
1: I'm yeah. I'm I'm laughing because I had tickets um to go see the Eagles um, with Vince Gill mm. filling in, you know, mm, and the show yeah, got yeah. the show got delayed, and so uh, Ticketmaster did not refund my tickets because it is scheduled for like September twenty twenty one, and I'm like, you know, yeah. you you could have given me my three hundred dollars back, you know, just right, uh, but I no. guess not. No, no. Um, no. Well, you said you grew up there in a small uh, upstate New York. Uh, talk about growing mm-hmm. up, what kind of music did your family listen to? Was it Were you a musical family we
0: listened We listened to a lot of music uh, i 'm the youngest of seven children, so I heard a lot of music growing up. Um, I heard a lot of music that probably in a lot of ways i 'm too young to have heard you know uh, my mom. Loved music. And, you know, when Bruce talks about having the radio in the kitchen on all the time, that was my childhood exactly. We had a kitchen radio and mom had it on all the time, all day. And whatever the local AM radio station was playing, that's what we heard all day. When she was a young woman, she loved to go to dances. And, Um, In in those days, the big bands actually went to a lot of the small towns, you know, so she saw some of the really famous big bands, um, not in a concert sort of way, but to go and dance to. So she loved that kind of swing music and that sort of thing. And the first song that I remember hearing. Was. Bebop Alula by Gene Vincent. And that came out in 1957. And I was born in 58 <laughs> because my oldest brother, who's like 19 years older than me, he loved rockabilly. So we had lots of rockabilly in the house when I was very little. Then my next oldest sister loved Elvis. I mean, Elvis was everything to my sister, Mary Catherine. Then my brother, Kevin, loved Motown when he was a teenager. So we had lots of the Temptations and uh, the Supremes and, you know, a lot of that kind of music. My brother, Brian, who was next, was a teenager in the 60s and was full tilt, 100% folk music. So Bob Dylan was everything to my brother, Brian. And along with all of the, you know, Oscar brand and Tom Rush and Dave Van Ronk and Joan Baez and all of those fabulous singers. Um, Then my sister Bridget, um, for her, it was the Beatles. And so, you know, I heard Tons and tons of, I mean, I was little, but that was very, very big for me growing up. The Beatles and also the Stones and the Who and Jefferson Airplane and like that. Um, then my brother Sean is the next oldest, and he he sort of followed in Brian's footsteps. He really, really loves Bob Dylan and listens to a lot of Dylan Um, But he likes a lot of the other sort of like he was a huge John Prine fan and um, uh, some of the singers like that. So uh, that was my musical upbringing. I always really loved... um, I guess I'll just say show business. Uh, I loved musicals. I loved the Broadway musicals and musical films and things like that. I actually, my college degree was in theater and English. Um, So I loved all of the, you know, Broadway music. So I listened to a lot of that kind of music when I was, in high school and in college.
1: So what I'm loving about this, Macrina, is your family, the history of rock and roll, right? <laughs> with your siblings, pretty much, you went through all the stages of, um, you know, early rock and roll to, you know, what we call classic mm-hmm. rock now. That is amazing, and it, this is a common theme in, in this podcast with siblings you're if you're the older sibling mm-hmm. you influence the younger siblings if you're the younger sibling the olders influenced you either uh, positively or negatively sometimes you rebel against your your older brother and sister and find <laughs> your own music right so yeah, that, that's yeah. great um yeah
0: it was a it was a, a real education yeah for sure
1: did as you're growing up what how did you find your own voice how did you feel determine what you kind of were drawn to
0: well because uh, I am the youngest actually by the time I was growing up most of my brothers and sisters had moved out and moved (laughs) on. there weren't a lot left at home Um, so uh, I think you know I just as any other young person um, uh, again the radio of course but uh, I watched a lot of movies, and I think that movies were probably some of the biggest influence on me in terms of the the kind of music that I was drawn to. Uh, but my mother would <laughs> she knew that I I liked music and that you know that I liked old music in particular. We'd be in a restaurant, and the sound system would be playing some song you know, from her youth. And she would always turn to me and say, do you know what this one is? Do you know the words to this one? Do you know who wrote it? And, you know, so that was always sort of a a, a continuing theme, you know, that music was, was pretty big in my house. Well, yeah, I do. Um, of course, I was aware of Bruce in high school. Um, He was, you know, I graduated high school in 1976, so you know, he he didn't have a huge body of work by then, but certainly I was aware of his hits. Um, And then in college, I was more aware of it because I listened to Album oriented radio. Remember that? Um, So I, of course, heard tons. Yeah. So I heard lots of Springsteen um, on the radio and lots of my hallmates. Uh, I had an RA who blasted uh, the entire Born to Run album quite frequently. Um, So I was very aware of that. In fact, in college, I almost went to the No Nukes concert. I was supposed to go to it, and through a series of circumstances, I was not able to, and I haven't gotten over it to this day. Uh, that's and funny. one of the things one year, one of the things one year you really get over, right? right? Like, I'm uh, well. Uh, that year has not come yet. Yeah. But, uh but <laughs> uh, yeah, I. And one of the reasons I wanted to go was because I wanted to see Springsteen because I heard that he was just this amazing live performer. So, uh, you know, I was, like I said, aware of him. There was a band that used to play at our I went to Nazareth College in Rochester, New York, and there was a band that used to play there all the time. Their name was Backstreets, actually, and they used to play a lot of Bruce covers. And so those were always some of the the things that I look forward to when I went to where they were playing. But I, I wasn't, you know, full on or anything like that. But then in my in my first job as a reporter, um, I was friends with uh, – well, she had been a reporter. I actually took her job when she moved on, and then she moved back to the paper. She was a managing editor, and we became very good friends. And she was a huge music fan, is a huge music fan. And she said, you know, I really would like to – Bring you to a Springsteen concert because I think that you'd really enjoy it. So I was like, well, yeah, I'd love to see him. That'd be great. So she took me to my first Springsteen concert, which was early in the Born in the USA tour. Uh, It was at Saratoga Springs, New York. And her sister was a patron of the um saratoga springs performing arts center um it's one of the sheds and uh you know so she had season tickets and stuff like that and season ticket holders got first shot at tickets so she was able to get us tickets in like i don't know it was probably like the sixth row or something like that so that was my first concert. And like I said, it was early in that tour. So he did, you know, I mean, obviously all the hits and he did the, you know, Born in the USA was just starting to be this huge juggernaut. And he also did several Nebraska songs solo. So that was my first, and I mean, probably I would say 20 minutes into that concert. Well, that was just it for me. There was no turning back from that.
1: I was just yeah, mesmerized. Yeah, I often say on the podcast, right, that there's two kinds of people, the people that go to their first Springsteen show and go, wow, that was long. And then the others that go, oh, my goodness, this is my life. You know, there is a whole new world that has opened up to me. Um, What I find just lovely is you and I are basically the same age. I was born in '59. I graduated high school mm-hmm. in '77. Growing up in Louisiana, though, um, a very different culture, and um, mm-hmm. I was an I was an AM top 40 kid, and um, a couple of my cooler friends that um, would listen to the FM station, and you know, and and when I tried, I'm like. There's no songs you can sing along with. I don't know any of the songs. And someone said, that's Uh the whole point. I'm like, well, that isn't the point of the radio for me. A radio to me is so can I sing along. And so I miss that. I, um, yeah. And, um, and there are many things you regret, right? Like, A job taken or, you know, not taken or a financial decision you shouldn't have made or, you know, things like that that go. But um, on the list of things that are minor yet, if I could do a do-over, is I would go back to Jesse at Sam Houston High School in Lake Charles, Louisiana in 1974, 75 and go, hey, kid, go find this guy named Mm -hmm. Bruce Springsteen. You know, uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. um, you can still listen to Barry Manilow and you can still listen to Queen. But, you know, go go, <laughs> yep. go, 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 find this Bruce guy and, and pay a little attention to him. I, trust me, you, you'll you'll be happy. Um, that's uh-huh. awesome. Um, And what a great show to go to. You know, well, just, it was what, what a nice little, you know, you're getting a kind of a. A smorgasbord of the different styles, right? You've got some of the early Bruce, you've got Bruce becoming this cultural icon, this musical force, Mm -hmm. plus a little touch of Nebraska. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, it was fantastic. And of course, I had been listening to all of the records all of that time, and I, you know, was really drawn to Nebraska um it was so very very different from what i thought Bruce Springsteen was but i still really loved it again you know i had listened to all of that folk music that very stark folk music growing up i had listened to a lot of Pete Seeger and Woody Guthrie growing up and it just struck me i could see the direct line from those records to nebraska so i i loved that record and you know it was so very different um so yeah it was a great concert to go to because there was some of all of that and and you know the the big songs that everybody knew i mean i certainly knew hungry heart by heart and you know uh the the hits uh of that time. So it it was, yeah, a perfect time to go. And, and definitely the closest I had, I, I would ever be to Bruce until I saw him on Broadway. (laughs) That was definitely the closest seats, the closest to the stage I had ever been. It was kind of a, you know, it was all downhill after that. I never (laughs) got that close again until Broadway. But there you go.
1: I, I always ask this question, but preface it. I think the number of times you've seen Bruce perform is not a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are. I think circumstances of your age, where you live, economic circumstances, all drives these. But for the record, do you know how many times you've seen him live?
0: Yes, I've seen him 27 times. So, and yeah, and all of those, I mean – I live very far away from <laughs> anywhere he's going to perform. So it always involves travel. Um, uh, a lot of times I didn't have the money to go very far, you know, and it, in many ways in the earlier days, it was harder to get tickets. When you were just working the phone, uh, it was hard to get tickets. And, you know, I am in the Northeast after all so those are always some of the hardest tickets to get um so it 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 wasn't uh it wasn't always easy um i have seen uh the only tour that i missed entirely was tunnel of love which is another thing i've never gotten over because that was my favorite album for a great many years And the fact that I didn't see any of those shows was a very great burden to me, but that's how it goes. But I did get to see, like, I I saw one of the uh, Human Rights Now shows. I saw one of the Move On shows. Uh, I saw them with the other band. Um, I saw the solo tours for Tom Joad and uh, Devils in Dust. So, you know i, I think i i feel like i've seen lots of different iterations
1: yeah, yeah that i can see that um do you do you have any special any over the past 27 times stories from the shows that you would want to share that you know specific experiences you know hearing a song you've been uh-huh. chasing or meeting other Bruce fans yeah
0: well yeah Actually, that first show that I went to, um, (laughs) the following day, uh, my friend and I, my friend had an idea of where the band was likely staying. So we went there the next day. We went to the hotel and we went in and we thought maybe if we went in the restaurant, we could gather some intelligence. So we went in and we were sitting there eating and the entire E Street band, except for Bruce, came in and sat at the table behind us. So we shamelessly eavesdropped (laughs) on their conversation and gathered that Bruce was still there. So we went out into the lobby and just sort of hung out. There was only about, I would say, maybe eight or ten fans like us that were standing around waiting for him. And, you know, the band came out and they all left the hotel, got on a bus, and we're still standing, standing, standing. Elevator doors opened and a guy came out and walked up to us and said, okay, look, here's the deal. If nobody acts like an asshole, he'll stop and, you know, sign autographs, whatever you want. One person acts like an asshole and we are out of here. Do we have that deal? And we said, yeah, sure. So he left, went up the elevator, another 15, 20 minutes, elevator doors opened. That guy came out and there was Bruce. So he came up to us and... For each one of us, you know, we took a few minutes and signed autographs. Nobody had cameras in those days. We didn't have, you know, cell phones or anything like that. My friend and I were journalists. Never occurred to us to bring a camera. (laughs) It's so embarrassing now. But anyway, so, you know, we each had a little chat with him. Um, He signed my ticket stub uh, in the middle of my very long name the pen ran out of ink and I had to get somebody else's pen. So there's, it's kind of faded where my name is, but it says to Macrina Bruce Springsteen on my ticket stub from that concert. And, um, you know, we all had a nice little chat with them and then he got on the bus and left. That's,
1: that's very cool. That's a great story. Oh, it was great.
0: Um, It was great. And I often tell people, I'm so glad that I met him when I did. Because certainly I was a huge, huge, huge fan. But I'm (laughs) compared to the kind of fan that I am now. Yes. If I thought, you know, if the the knowledge that he's out there walking around meeting people and talking to people and he had if I thought he had never talked to me, I wouldn't have been able to get any sleep in the intervening 30 some (laughs) years. You (laughs) know, The, the, the fact that we met at that time It's the only thing that's allowed me to get any sleep, seriously. So it was the perfect time to have done that.
1: What makes me think of is um, normally um, every um, Labor Day, there is this massive uh, pop culture science fiction um, convention in Atlanta called DragonCon, and it is over seven hotels – hundreds mm. of thousands of people go and it is, it covers everything from, you know, gaming to young adult fiction, to fantasy, to TV shows, to movies. It's just everything. Um, and one of the reasons why Dragon Con is so popular is everyone behaves. So, um, mm. um, stars from, um, Battlestar Galactica when it was in its heyday, you know, peep, you know, sh- shows mm-hmm. of Luthor or, or iZombie or just name whatever, Star Trek, name whatever science fiction show you'd want. Um, you know, we'll go out to bars and drink with fans. And we heard mm-hmm. the story once that um, someone came up to get an autograph, you know, during it. And the, and I don't remember which celebrity, but they said, if I do this once, this ends, and I have to go back to my room. And so the mm-hmm. other guests kind of put pressure on that, nope, this isn't when you ask for an autograph. This isn't when you, right. you you ask for a selfie. This is, if you want to buy them a drink, you want to just share, this is it, so that they can be out, and yep. we say, in the wild. Um yes. versus like other conventions you can't. Um and so I think that was I I think of that story right like okay if no one shows they're behind. Um he'll stop and mm-hmm. visit but the moment someone does, you know then mm-hmm. um and I do think y- you get the feeling and and I ask this a lot and so um I'll ask you during the 2016 tour. There were a lot of stories about him interacting with fans, having people on stage, Mm -hmm. signing a Mm -hmm. kid's excuse to be late for school, right? Um, Right, right. And I asked the question, has he always done this kind of thing? And because of social media, we're now finding out about it? Or has he, as he's gotten older, been more susceptible to do this? What's your theory?
0: My theory is that he is doing it more. Um I, I don't think he used to do that all the time. I think there were maybe isolated uh incidents when he did. And I say that because although he was nice about, you know, signing the autographs and all that, he wasn't super chatty and he didn't seem Super comfortable with it, you know, he he really I mean, he was nice and everything, but he didn't want to linger for sure. Um, Whereas some of the things that we've heard about from more recent years, he seems much more relaxed about it. Um, And and much more willing to kind of put himself out there. Uh, And I don't think that he was like that when he was younger.
1: And I also write the stories, right? Like originally he hated signs and requests. And now then, you know, they've actually, yeah. he's kind of embraced that part of it. You know, let's stump the band. Right. Or what do we do? He seems to be uh, more yes. at ease with it. Um, yes. That, that's that's interesting. Um,
0: yeah. And the other, the parallel to this is, um, when I I went to see the Broadway show twice, I went uh, in January of it must have been 18, and then again in June. And in January, uh, I did meet. Uh, I was sitting in the same row as a fan. Actually, she's from Texas um, and we got to talking and we were talking after the show and and, uh, they actually came and said, you really do have to leave the theater now. So, we uh, okay, but it was cold out. (laughs) So we went out onto the sidewalk and we continued talking and I was I was with a friend and she was with a friend. But the four of us stood there talking. And of course, you know, Bruce and Patty, when they came out, when they went into the theater and when they came out they there was a crowd and all that well i'm five foot two and um there was no way i was getting in that crush uh, because people were crazy in that crush and i did not want to be part of that absolutely um so we were standing so we were standing on the sidewalk and so this young woman from texas that i had just met she took off with her friend. And so my friend and I were just standing on the sidewalk and oh, there's Bruce and Patty. They came out and the crush was there and it was, you know, the screaming and the whatever. And so then they got in the car and I said to my friend, well, Bruce is on this side of the car. We'll just stand here and wave to him when he drives by. And the car pulled away from the curb. And before he got to it, we were just the two the the two of us were alone pretty much on this section of sidewalk. He rolled the, the car window down and stuck his head out and waved to us as we waved to him nice. as he drove off. And I just thought that was really lovely.
1: Yes. It was
0: really a, a nice moment.
1: Yeah. Kind of a nice book like you met him early, now you yes. know, Yeah, yeah, that's 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 yes. lovely. That's really lovely.
0: Yeah, it was really nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the and the only other sort of, you know, song I was chasing. I don't know why, but for some reason <laughs> I have a great fondness for the song Be True. And I had always wanted to hear it live and when he did the the Revisited River tour, I saw a few shows on that tour and um When I went to Albany, New York, to see the that show, and actually it was with the same friend who brought me to my first show, we went to it and that and that morning, I tweeted at every single member of the band on Twitter, <laughs> and I said, Please, please, please. I am dying to hear be true, please, please, if you pass Bruce in the hall, please ask him to play be true.' They did play Be True that night, and that was the only time on the tour that they played it. Nice. And I just, yeah, I just, I don't know if it was because I requested it, but I like to think that it was, <laughs> and I thoroughly enjoyed hearing it.
1: That's that's awesome. That's, that's a great story. <laughs> so I was going to ask, are are there songs that you haven't heard live that when he tours again, knock on wood, you want to hear live, or mm. did that one yeah. get you you're off your yeah. list now? No,
0: there's no well that one's off my list, but I would really love to hear the promise. I've never heard the promise live. And I, I would really love to hear it solo piano. Um, so that one's very high on my list. Um uh, other than that You know, one that I've never heard live, it's a cover, but I just enjoy it so much every time I hear it. I've never been there when he did Seven Nights to Rock. And it's just so joyous, you know, and I, I really feel like that's, you know, one of the great things about the band, the joy that they bring and the joy that they clearly are having themselves. It's a, a wonderful thing to witness and to be part of. And I just always feel a great deal of joy when I hear that song. Uh, I heard it today in the <laughs> one of the concerts that they played on, on E Street Radio. And uh, I thought again, uh, how much I'd like to witness that one live.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a great choice. That's a really good choice. Um, are there are there songs or albums you talked about how much you loved tunnel of love are there, are there songs that mean something special to you or your family
0: Um well you know there's them, so right. many that are meaningful right, right yeah. that are meaningful to me but I get asked that a lot, you know, what's your favorite Springsteen song? And, I, I, I mean, it's whatever one I'm listening to at the moment, whatever one I
1: heard last, maybe. Fair enough answer. But yes. I
0: always come back to the to the same one, and that's Thunder Road. Um, I just think, I mean, I when people ask me that, I jokingly say I like that one because it has all the other ones in it.
1: Oh, that's a nice. It, I've never heard that. But that's it really, a really does. Nice statement. Yes, that's a really good statement.
0: You know, it has everything. It has the lovely sax solo, and it has the beautiful piano, and and it has, you know, the longing and the road and the just all of the themes that. Carry through his work that are so meaningful to so many of us, I think are just expressed so beautifully in that song. And I never, ever get tired of hearing it. And every time I hear the opening notes, I just feel something deep in my chest that, you know, brings me back to that feeling that that you have when you when you hear him and uh that i think that song will always be among the most special to me
1: um well said well said um and we're going to get to thunder road in just a minute but in the meantime um, marina is there anything i should have asked you that i haven't uh
0: I really can't think of okay. anything. And I right. think we covered pretty much uh, pretty much all of it.
1: Good. Okay. So uh, then, before I get you out of here, gotta ask you the merry question. Uh, for those of you who've mm-hmm. not heard the podcast before, or those of you who have, but a reminder: uh, Jay Armstrong is an honors English teacher in the Philadelphia area, and every year he takes his seniors. In their um, senior honors English class. And they spend two days breaking down Thunder Road as a poem. They go through all the lyrics. They discuss the imagery and the words that Bruce is using. Uh, They compare this to other poems including Robert Frost, The Road Not Taken. And at the end of the two days, he reaches, he turns to the class and says, okay, your assignment Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? So, Magriona, that's your question. Does Mary get in the car?
0: She absolutely gets in the car. She absolutely gets in the car. And here's how I know. I think that the characters in the songs in Western Stars are all the same characters that he's been singing about since born to run i think they got in the car and drove west and they went as far as they could go and as far as you can go is california you know or tucson or you know some of those places but really i think that they're the same characters they're older now and stuff has happened to them and they're still facing those same questions about their relationships and their place in the world and sort of what have they done with their lives. And, you know, it's kids and bills and bills and kids and they're of the bell. And I think, you know, we're just hearing those same characters now older and um, dealing with all the same questions that they've had all this time, just in a different place. You
1: you are not the first person to say that. I, I wish I could remember who did, but someone said that he believes Moonlight Motel is the other end of Thunder Road, that he believes that, that is, um, he is mourning Mary's death. They have spent a life together, mm. and that mm. um that that is they they went to California, they spent their life together, and uh him pouring out that in memory of her mm. is actually Mary he says mm. that is the end of the mm. road, which made me cry, <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, I didn't see it that way, I didn't see it as you know sort yeah. of uh her death, yeah. but really, listening to western stars and I love that record, yes, deeply. I do um, you know, uh, I, I just felt like, yes, it sounds different, it, you know, certainly the orchestration and everything, it's a very, very different sound, but how can anybody think that this isn't a Springsteen, right? You know, that it's so markedly different. It is, he's writing about exactly the same things that he's always written about, and that they are really the same characters. They're in a different location and they're older. But really, that's all. And I I really, um, yeah, I, I think that, uh, well, I mean, who wouldn't get in the car, right? I would. So I think Mary did get in the car.
1: No, absolutely. I I feel
0: um,
1: (laughs) this is – it could very easily be a collection of Elmore Leonard short stories, Western stars. Mm -hmm. You know, um, Mm -hmm. and uh, – because I love this – I love the series Justified, and I love the books that Elmore Leonard has written, um, Zane Gray, however you want. It it feels like a collection of short stories. I
0: also – yeah, I I'm a big fan of Larry McMurtry.
1: Yes, I very much can
0: see uh, that. And and it certainly reminded me very much of some of his stories, Last Picture Show. Yes. Um, you know, uh, it, it really reminded me a lot of those kinds of stories. So yeah. yeah.
1: Well, well said. Very much said. Yeah, that's that's great. I um. I just love this. This has been so much fun. I appreciate your time and your the great stories. Um, if someone wants to reach you, uh, are you on social media?
0: I am on social media. I am on Twitter at MacDNY, and I generally tweet something from Bruce every day. Uh, it's usually just, um, sometimes it's a commentary on, uh, what's happening in the world. Very often he has something to say about that, that, that reminds me, uh, about that. Sometimes it's just a couple lines that, uh, I've been listening to that strike me in a certain way, or it's just something that I feel like putting out there. So, uh yeah you can find me on twitter
1: absolutely that is great i i appreciate it and yes that's how we found each other via twitter so yeah that's it's i am so glad you're out there and i do enjoy the little shots of springsteen um <laughs> we I, could so, all
0: use a little shot of springsteen
1: absolutely uh you know before i let you go uh initial thoughts of letter to you
0: oh i loved it i really loved it um I'm so glad that it's an E Street Band record. You know, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine about it, and I said, you know, in these times, we can't have, you know, the Big Loud concert. I get it, but I swear to you, if I hear one more, this is my acoustic from home concert to you. I I I can't take it anymore. I really can't take it anymore. And I mean I loved the Broadway show and all that, but I'm ready for some loud full-on E Street band music. <laughs> so that was my first thought was, oh, thank God, this is going to be an E Street band record. I'm so happy about that. But I did really love the song, too. Yeah. I, I like what it's saying, and I'm excited to hear the rest.
1: I am, too. I, I loved Western Stars, I was, uh, but I'm very happy to hear them doing something different. And And I have said that as much as I think it would have been cool if you'd asked me before, like in February or March, hey, Bruce is going to do a, you know, um, an acoustical show from his house. I would have been like, mm-hmm. oh, cool. But these DJ sessions that he's done on E Street Radio oh. have been so much more oh, enjoyable than them. Me, right?
0: Oh, I love them. And it's so weird, you know – he plays stuff, and and very often I think, oh, I haven't heard that in years and years. How did he know to play that? It, it, it's just been so wonderful, and just hearing his voice. I mean, I have, you know, the autobiography um, on Audible as well. And I just love hearing his voice and hearing him tell stories. And well, we know he's a great storyteller. Well, but hearing just... those stories in his voice, yes, it's been a gift.
1: Yeah, I was going to say the exact same thing. I, I had writer. Uh, Ron Martz on the show um, a month or so ago, and he said, "We know he's a great storyteller. Why are we amazed that he can tell a great story <laughs> in any format he wants?" And, and it's true, exactly. You know, it is. A that is
0: very true. Yeah. So that's yeah. great.
1: Well, you have yeah. a wonderful evening. Please stay safe. Thank you. And thank you so thank much you. for sharing. You too. This is good. Listeners, you stay safe. Please take care of yourself. Let's be good to each other. Uh, Remember to social distance. Wash your hands. Wear an effing mask. Um, Let's just be kind to each other. 2020 has been horrible. Let's go out there and be a little kindness to everyone. Uh, You know, my mantra, uh, Marina, new Springsteen album in October, hopefully new president in November, and maybe 2020 won't be the worst year ever. (laughs) So. Oh, from your lips. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but for now, thank you, listeners. Be good, and we will talk to you soon. Goodbye. Doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation, and I hate that. So please let me know what you like and don't like about the work I'm doing. You can reach the podcast via email at setlessingbruce at gmail.com. The show is on Twitter, at SetLessingBruce, and my personal Twitter is at JesseJacksonDFW. We have a website, www.setlessingbruce.com. From there, you can find links to other Springsteen podcasts, as well as other music-themed podcasts. We have a page devoted to our own SLB All-Star Band. These are guests who have been on the podcast more than three times. There is a link to our store where you can purchase Set Brew shirts, as well as a Mary Question t-shirt. There is a link to our Patreon page where you can sign up to help support the podcast financially. We have different levels and different rewards based on your support. If you don't have any extra cash, and right now who does, you can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one. The only. on setlisting bruce and bruce is part of the southgate media podcast group the theme for and bruce was written by david rosen used by permission
2: it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football